Welcome, dear listeners, to another episode of Life And. This podcast is dedicated to true firsthand stories and engaging those storytellers in conversation to learn more about their lives and unique experiences. Each new season brings new tales, new storytellers, and a new central theme. This season, we turn our focus to the all too common and all too complicated topic of isolation. Welcome listener, and thank you for joining us. My name is Tanya Verkaitis. I am the co-producer and host of this podcast, Life and Isolation. I was born with a, a, a neuromuscular physical disability known as arthroposis. It's a tongue twister. Um, but I'm in a motorized wheelchair. Um, the closest disability that people are familiar with that it could be likened to is muscular dystrophy, although it's not one of the types um, of MD. It's often mistaken for that where somebody will um, will meet me for the first time. And I understand why. There are a lot of physical um, uh, character characteristics. So I'm living in muscle strain. Uh, so I'm not able to walk. Um, I use a power wheelchair because I'm not able to push myself. Uh, I'll move around in a manual wheelchair. Uh, I also have limited dexterity and strength in my arms. So I'm able to bend my arms, move them around but not able to grasp my hands into a fist. So if it's finger foods, I'm fine. I can pick up a half of a sandwich, an apple if it's cut in half, a slice of pizza if it's cut into a few pieces, but I can't hold utensils, knives, forks, um, cutting anything up, feeding me. Obviously, you, you, you get the idea. But I have attendants. I have aides who help me out both at my home and, um, and at work. So I just kind of wanted to put that into um, into into context. And in terms of my own uh, experiences with isolation, um, it's interesting and it's kind of ironic that um, professionally I'm an advocate. I'm the adv- uh, the advocacy and community organizer for the Center for Independent Living, a nonprofit agency that works with people with disabilities um, in Scranton, but we cover 10, 10 counties. Um, and, and I think what's interesting when I'm fortunate in my line of work, when I'm working with people with disabilities and their, their family members or their allies, or even talking with other agencies in organization, organizations, I'm fortunate because I, I, I often hear some of my own personal experiences or sometimes a variation thereof when I'm working with people working with people with disabilities um well you know let's take a look like the teens and you know early 20s um that type of thing in terms of 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 isolation um i felt quite honestly very isolated up until about the age of 15 or 16. not so much isolated in the sense that i wasn't coming into contact with people um because I was. I had a very supportive family system. 
um, your friends in school, so forth, and um, all of that. The issue was it was only kids my age with disabilities who I was coming into contact with. And that was great. So uh, they were my friends, and some of them are still friends all those years later to date. But I, I, I knew that I was missing out on diverse uh, a diverse friend set or a diverse circle or diverse um, acquaintances. It was great that my student friends with disabilities had similar experiences as me, um, but yet there, 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 was, there was still another aspect of diversity um, missing. And the whole idea of embracing, again, when you're a kid or when you're a teen, I should say, the kinds of, of, of pop culture, the same kinds of hobbies, the same kinds of foods, likes and dislikes that all kids 14 to 16 or 17 have with or without um, a disability. So that was back around the time when the, when the federal laws dealing with the education of people with disabilities started to change. Um, and my mother went to the school district, Abington Heights School District, and advocated to get me out of the intermediate unit and into a traditional school setting. What's now called inclusion then was called mainstream. There are some differences, but there are also some, some similarities. Fortunately, um, you know, it, it, it worked out well. So I went to school with kids with and without disabilities with a variety of, 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 of interests. So again, that was a, a, a somewhat more subtle form of isolation um, when I was younger. And I know there are many people around my age now who had um, similar experiences. College was kind of that, that phase, I guess I would say, of similar to the phase of being mainstreamed into a public high school um, magnified. So, you know, as you can imagine, as we all know, anyone who's been to college, um, different types of personalities, different types of people, made a lot of great friends who I'm still in, in touch with. By the way, one thing then and now, um, even though we're in much better shape now, in terms of disabilities and um, isolation would be people who have certain kinds of cognitive disabilities or an intellectual disability. There's often a, a sense of frustration or isolation that can be challenging to overcome. And a lot of people work around that and do really well, but it, 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 it honestly is an issue in the beginning. See, if I come along walking down the street you know, toward you and you happen to be standing in front of me near the same building, let's say a bank that we're going to go into, you know, and you ask, hey, can I grab the door for you? And I said, yeah, thanks. That would be great. You see my disability. You see that I'm not able to walk and I'm in a wheelchair. Sometimes people with hidden disabilities where it's not readily apparent, you can't see it immediately right off the bat, it doesn't strike you, uh, have a, a little more, um, it, again, it's a little more of a challenge. 
we'll sometimes see that when somebody goes in for um, a job interview and then somebody a lot of people wrestle with that do they disclose that they have some kind of disability may not even have a bearing on the job they're applying for but there are some people who are comfortable or would be more comfortable with the potential employer knowing it it's just a matter of whether or not to to um, disclose it so that can lead to a sense of isolation let's say the person gets the job whether or not they disclose it makes no difference they get their job and then working with their colleagues their office mates um, maybe people in that part of the factory if it's a factory job or whatever anything in between sometimes the public just don't, don't many members of the public don't understand the disability if they can't see it so that leads or can lead to um isolation and sometimes you know the the, the pat answer to that can be well you know there are hundreds if not thousands of other people in your situation well yeah there is but that's not helping at the moment so you know we 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 i say we people with disabilities in general we sometimes get a little impatient um it's a little bit of a contradiction we know it takes time for understanding like any social movement does but yet we would like results um you know result results a little a little faster uh the attitudinal barriers um have come down over recent years but they're still there we still need a lot more to erase some of the attitudinal barriers that face um uh, face people with disabilities that in turn lead toward um isolation one of the biggest barriers that we see for a large amount of isolation huge factor across the board in terms of what the disability no matter what the disability is relationships and some of the attitudinal barriers there and the public's perception of people with disabilities are unable to be in a romantic relationship with another person and of course we know that um, we know that not to be true but sometimes the beginning of the relationship or everything leading up to it is the problem uh or is the issue hopefully when two people meet hit it off it goes well from you know from there i'll give you an example social media and um, dating websites and apps the age-old question does the person disclose it's if they're having an ad with or without a photo do they disclose in that introduction first couple paragraphs if they have a disability and there are all kinds of, of um, um, theories on whether to or not certainly architectural barriers have improved over the years with the Americans with Disabilities Act they're not quite as prevalent as they were meaning buildings that may have steps where I wouldn't be able to get in a wheelchair or uh, um, uh, other types maybe facilities that have parking spaces maybe a big parking lot 
but no accessible parking for someone with a van um, or with a lift. And we sometimes see that uh, around and still be an issue. Um, one of the areas just kind of in general where we often see it, and I understand why geographically, um, are cities. Because of the downtown area and the nature of a lot of businesses like coffee shops, bars, restaurants, even some theaters or movies, right on the street front, right on the sidewalk where the entrance is, well, they might not have sufficient space for a, a, a ramp to run out so that it wouldn't be uh, steep. Because obviously, the longer that you can make the ramp, the less of an incline that it's going to be, which is what we want. A person, in this case, with a physical disability um, is obviously limited. Um, all means all. And even if it's accessible to some, forget about the public, even if it's accessible for some people with disabilities and not all, it's not accessible. You know, we have to start thinking of accessibility and inclusion with a capital A and a capital I um, for, for all. So situation is definitely improving. It's much better than it was. But um, one of the things I always like to say is that we can't become complacent. There's always a challenge to work on. Um, what's interesting is um, disability, we sometimes call it a club. Disability is sometimes, can be considered a club that anyone can join. Um, first, I'd like to thank you for sharing. And something really interesting to me is that you opened with building community, right? You said that disabilities can be isolating, but a lot of the isolation that you feel might be similar to dis or not disabilities, isolation that other people feel, even folks without disabilities. And what right. I thought was interesting about that is the fact that and I don't know how else to say this, but oftentimes if you see someone with a disability that's recognizable, like you said, by sight, you view the person as not me, right? They're different because X, Y, Z. But you immediately brought it back home for all of us. And I really appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah, we, we really consider that, um, or I consider it in terms of disability awareness and advocacy. Um, as I said, it's it's one it's the one life phenomenon that cuts across every demographic. So, for example, yeah. the disability movement is relatively relatively new, and we learn from all the civil rights um, marches and activity and civil mm -hmm. rights movement that came before us in the 60s and the 70s for a variety of population so we learned so much from what came what came before us the one thing we're disability a lot of similarities the one thing that 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 makes disability a little different is that it can affect anybody um any gender and mm -hmm. member of any gender and any member of any socioeconomic status 
or ethnicity. It's not one or the other. It cuts it cuts right across the, the board. I like that you're saying that you learned advocacy lessons from other groups of people, right? Again, that's how we can all learn from each other, no matter what our particular focus issue may be. I had a specific question, though. You mentioned uh-huh. that prior to going to the regular high school, you mostly socialized with other children who had disabilities. And I was really just curious if you could tell us a little bit about what it felt like to join the regular high school program where you're surrounded by children with disabilities and children without. What was that feeling like? Well, I had a a little bit of an introduction to what it would be like because after school um, with kids with disabilities and I'd be home, my my neighborhood yard, patio backyard, kind of became the neighborhood haunt for kids in the block. You know, every, every neighborhood seems to have one. And kids would congregate at my house. And it was years, I think because it was years before I had a motorized wheelchair. And I only had a manual chair, so I wasn't able to ride down the street to someone's house. They came, to, they came to me. So I would be with my friends with disabilities during the day. Then come three fifteen, three thirty or so, kids without disabilities would hang out in my yard. So it's a mixed bag. I had a, I had a slight inkling or experience, I guess you'd say, just in the socialization, yeah. but not from the standpoint of being all day in school. Right. When since you... Right. So out of curiosity, over the past years, what do you think has been one of the biggest inclusionary tactics that have come up? Like how are people giving people with disabilities more access or allowing them to feel more included? I would think... I think certainly the passage of the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, even though it was back in 1990, um, that it was passed has gradually um, helped um, tremendously in terms of making the business community, state and local governments accessible, um, promoting non-discrimination in employment, in all terms of employment um, for, for, for hiring um, people with disabilities. Certainly around, around Lackawanna, Luzerne counties, as an example of, of, of something so relatively simple that can promote accessibility required by the ADA, curb cuts on sidewalks, the little ramp areas. Yes. yes. Um, where someone in a chair can safely cross. Um, I know it may be looked at as a means for accessibility initially, and it is. It is that. But what it also means is it's a wheelchair user that is integrated into society, moving around, doing, going about the course of business, um, their, their, you know, their daily business, just the same as somebody without a disability. And actually, it helps to create better walkability in general, right? Even for folks who may not be in a wheelchair. So we have to yeah. be thankful for folks advocating for that as it's been a benefit for the elderly and maybe people who are injured also. 
In closing, yeah. I just wanted to ask you really quickly, I know here in this area, we could definitely come to the Center for Independent Living if we were looking for resources, but for our listeners in other areas, do you have kind of a quick, easy resource for them? Um, well, the Center for Independent Living actually covers a 10-county area in Northeast Pennsylvania. Okay. So if your listeners are, are anywhere, um, I'll tell you, actually, even even I would I would offer your listeners um, the opportunity to contact us, even if they're not in a county we serve. Uh, okay. If it's general information about the ADA or accessibility issues or civil rights issues, I can still get that information to them, even if they're not in our territory. If it's something specific to their area, I'd be able to refer them to our counterpart in their area because there are 18 centers across Pennsylvania. Thank you so much, Keith, for joining us. And thank you for the work you're doing at the Center for Independent Living. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again. Okay. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Dear listener, here on Life And, we strive to create a safe and welcoming platform for a diverse range of individuals to tell their stories, and with each new season comes a new theme. I'm thrilled to share that our theme for the next season will be celebration. Be it a tale of joyous social celebration or a more solitary experience of quiet accomplishment, we'd love to hear your story and learn more about you. To be considered as a storyteller for season three, Life and Celebration, please visit www.loselackmedsoc.org and complete the brief form you'll find there. Again, that's www.loselackmedsoc.org. You can also find this link in the text of wherever you're listening to this podcast or on our Facebook page. Thank you for helping us continue this project. Be sure to subscribe and leave a great review wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast. Until next time, dear listeners, remember to breathe and to make time for stories, yours and others.